a Monday morning, and you know what that means, streamers. Welcome back to the Isolation Station of Love. This is Daz Does Disney, and I'm your host. It's me, it's me, it's the DOZ, Landon the Dazdone, kicking your week off the right way with a little bit of Disney news coming out of the House of the Mouse in Orlando, Florida. We're talking Walt Disney World. Hopefully, you had a good week, had a good weekend. Um, Welcome to the month of May, everybody. How did uh, that happen? Feels like April just started. We were... Just celebrating my birthday uh, not too long ago, but if you look at your calendar, if you're playing along at home with your calendar, it was now one month ago today. Uh, speaking of, May 1st, uh, we're going to get into this week in Disney history here in one second. May 1st, the anniversary, the birthday, the birthdayversary of Disney's Hollywood Studios. So uh, happy birthday to Hollywood Studios if you're in the uh, park today. I would imagine it's going to be quite busy. That's 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 just me. If uh, you are in the park today, holler at me. Uh, let me know what the park level is like and uh, what y'all get into. I uh, like to live vicariously through you, the lovely listener. Um, uh, but yeah, I did talk about it. Uh, we're going to be doing the regularly scheduled stuff. I might be Lando in the Star Wars universe, uh, but this week you can call me Solo because I am flying solo. No Steffers, no Jay, just me. So uh, lower your expectations as if they weren't lowered to begin with. Uh, We got news coming up, but first, you know we got to do it. It's everybody's favorite new segment. It's This Week in Disney History. Turn down for what? Still makes no sense why, of all things in the world, I decided to use uh, Little John's uh, not third down for what. That's a football thing that, like, me, Jay, and uh, Disney Pick-A-Day will get. Never mind. Uh, This week, we are looking at April 30th through May the 6th. So, uh... This week, er, this week in Disney history, we're going to start all the way back in the year 1969. Nice. On April 30th, uh, during a press conference at the Ramada Inn on Highway 50 in Ocoee, Florida, Don B. Tatum, who was the president of the Walt Disney World Corporation, details the more than three years of planning for, quote, destination vacation. It has been two years since special legislation has passed to allow Disney to build its Florida project, and now the Disney company has rented out the entire Ramada Inn for Walt Disney World's official first press event. A large circus tent outside the hotel is filled with models and artist renditions of Walt Disney World for its three-day gala. Among the Disney officials in attendance is Walt's brother, Roy O. Disney, and Disney publicist Charlie Ridgway. A 16mm, 17-minute film titled Walt Disney World Phase 1 is screened at the Parkwood Cinema Theater. It shows the master plan and artist depictions of the theme park, which will later open in 1971. Now, of course, right there, we say that Magic Kingdom would later open in 71, but on this day, April 30th, 1969, is really kind of an opening salvo to the public of the Magic Kingdom and what would later go on to be the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. And I think it's funny that it makes reference to a special legislation that was passed to allow Disney to build its Florida project because <clears throat> that definitely has not been uh, brought up at all here recently. I'm uh April 30th, this time in the year of 1994, the Astro Orbiter 
opens as part of the new Tomorrowland in Disney World's Magic Kingdom. It's a redesigned version of the Star Jets, which first opened in 1974. April 30th, 2000, the 7th annual Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival begins. And then on April 30th, 2011, after 15 years at Walt Disney World, the Beatles tribute band British Invasion performs their last show at Epcot. First performing at Walt Disney World's Epcot Center in 1996, the band performed their Beatles tribute show over 20,000 times. I don't remember seeing the British Invasion performed their uh, Beatles tribute show, but uh, 20,000 times, that's a lot. I would imagine uh, some of y'all in the audience have uh, seen or saw, rather, the British Invasion uh, do their show. So if uh, you were one of those fortunate ones who did, please holler at us and um, let me know what you think. All right, May 1st, 1972. The railroad station in Frontierland at Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World, Hey, guess what? That opens. Uh, since the park's debut in October of 1971, the Walt Disney World Railroad had been a round-trip experience only. Guests could only board at the Main Street USA station, and now located in the westernmost point of Frontierland, this second station will serve guests for nearly 19 years, and a third station will open in 1988. The Frontierland station is a tiny building with a toy-like feature with gingerbread molding on its roofline and scrolled woodwork on its facade. Frontierland station will be demolished in November of 1990 to make way for the new Splash Mountain attraction and be replaced by a new Frontierland station, which will open in December of 1991 just north of the original station site. And uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know um, how much I had been missing said uh, railroad in the Magic Kingdom and how excited I was that it just recently reopened uh, when Tron finally opened after five years of uh, construction. So uh, any time I get a chance to talk about the railroad in the Magic Kingdom, I'm going to take said opportunity to talk about the railroad because, you know, Walt was kind of a big uh, railroad honk, and uh, I like talking about that, and I think it is a cool way to get around the Magic Kingdom and a unique way to look at the Magic Kingdom. And uh, on May 1st, 1972, it uh, kind of changed the game, so to speak, on the uh, railroad station in the Magic Kingdom. May 1st, 1989, talked about it at the top of the show, Disney's MGM Studios theme park at Walt Disney World opens to the public. Uh, it was Disney's fifth theme park in the world at the time, and although it rained throughout the day, the park was packed to the surprise of no one. At the time, it was the largest opening day press event in Disney World history. Attractions in the park included the Walt Disney World Studios Animation Studios, where guests could watch story personnel, animators, artists, and technicians produce motion pictures, the great movie ride, superstar television, the studio backlot tour, and the monster sound show. The Great Movie Ride, May It Rest in Peace, features a courtyard for celebrity handprints and signatures. A program called Star Tours will allow celebrities over the years to leave their mark. The very first Star Tour features the original Mouseketeer Annette Funicello. Uh, released on the same day at the Animation Studios is a nine-minute short titled Back to Neverland. The special film features Walter Cronkite and Robin Williams, man, what a combination. Uh, among the Hollywood legends visiting the parks are George Burns and Bob Hope, who helped cut the film strip ribbon dedicating the studios. Now, May 1st, 1989, Disney's MGM Studios opens, and uh, 
You know how much it cost you to get into the parks that day? Children ages 3 through 9, $23. Adults, $29. Oh, the times they have a changed. Uh, Also, on May 1st, 1989, uh, Disney World's uh, Pleasure Island officially opens, uh, although Disney had been admitting guests since April 28th of uh, 1989. On uh, May 1st in... 2001 Animal Kingdom's Thrill Ride Countdown to Extinction changes its name over to uh, Dinosaur. And on May 1st, 2014, Disney World marks 25 years of now Disney's Hollywood Studios with a morning ceremony led by Dan Cockrell, vice president of theme parks at the time, who was joined by Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, as well as a handful of Disney cast members who worked at the park for 25 years. One of these cast members is Don Lampkin, an entertainment cast member who hosted the original opening ceremony for the park back in 1989 and now performs in the Lights, Motors, Action Extreme Stunt Show. At 7 p.m., a motorcade called Stars of the Studios travels up the Hollywood Boulevard and features characters such as Captain Jack Sparrow, Darth Vader, Wreck-It Ralph, Sophia the First, and of course, Mickey and Minnie Mouse. A uh, dance party is then held in front of the uh, Sorcerer Hat Stage, which of course we know is uh, still there to this day. Okay, I I lied. It's not there to this day. It got it got taken down. Now, May 2nd, 1982. Today is the first day of Epcot Center site tours for cast members and their families. Narrated tours of the soon-to-be-open theme park will leave every half hour, and uh, Epcot will later go on to have its grand debut on October 1st of uh, 1982. May 2nd, 2014, at an early morning dedication ceremony at Magic Kingdom Park, uh, Walt Disney World Parks and Resort Chairman Tom Staggs announces that, quote, the crowning jewel of new Fantasyland, the Seven Dwarves Mine Train, will officially open on May 28th. And on the same day, it's announced that the Disney Polynesian Resort will revert to the Disney Polynesian Village Resort and expand further to include Disney Vacation Club accommodations as well as enhanced resort amenities. So, you know, if you're a DBC member, I'm sure you have since taken advantage of said accommodation and enhanced resort amenities. May 4th, or uh, May the 4th, be with you because in uh, 2001, for four consecutive weekends beginning on this day, still at the time, Disney MGM Studios joins forces with Lucasfilm to present the third annual Star Wars Weekends. The Star Wars Festival first began in 1997, but wasn't held again until 2000. With the popular Star Tours attraction, uh, Hollywood-style motorcades, a cantina street party, and celebrity autograph sessions, MGM is transformed into a force-filled fan festival. The event will also take place on May 11th through the 13th, May 18th through the 20th, and then finally on the year 2001, May 25th through the 27th. I always think it's interesting looking back on stuff like that because there was a time when, I mean, Disney and Lucas, they always had a working relationship, but there was a time before Disney just outright, you know, bought Lucas and and had to strike up agreements for stuff like this um, uh, for, you know, Star for Star Wars weekends and on May the 4th and stuff like that. We do have some uh, May the 4th exclusive uh, treats that we're going to be talking about you can, that you can find throughout the month in Hollywood Studios later on in the uh, episode. So be sure and uh, keep an ear out for that. 
Uh, May 5th, 2005, Epcot's new Soren officially opens, as does MGM Studios' Lights, Motors, Action, Extreme Stunt Show, and Cinderella Bration, a uh, glittering stage show, officially premieres over at the Magic Kingdom. Um, uh, now, Soren, I think we're all familiar with it. Uh, it was inspired by Soren over California from uh, Disney's California Adventures, though, instead of, you know, flying through California and seeing, you know, stuff in California, Soren uh, in Epcot, you soar around the world and see, uh, you know, the natural wonders of the world as opposed to just California. Uh, Lights, Motors, Action, Extreme Stunt Show uh, was based on the original show, uh, Motair's Action Stunt Show Spectacular at Walt Disney World Studios Park in Disneyland uh, Resort Paris. It revolves around a series of energetic stunts featuring automobiles. Uh, the show runs for just under 40 minutes and includes pyrotechnics, jet ski chases, and physical stunt work. And then Cinderella Bration is a live musical stage show located at the Castle Forecourt Stage at the Magic Kingdom, and it portrays the uh, coronation of Cinderella. And then finally, May 6th, 1988, the second New World Showcase Pavilion to be added to the original roster, Norway, has its soft opening at Epcot. The 11th overall to be built, the pavilion includes the Forging Shop, Puffin's Roost Shop, Kringla Bakery, um, the and the uh, restaurant Akershush, or Akershush, I don't know. I'm, I'm a hillbilly from East Tennessee. What do you expect? Uh, the pavilion, which is a replica of a medieval wooden church, will be officially dedicated in July, and the uh, Norway boat attraction Maelstrom will set sail on July 5th of 1988. Uh, May 6th, 1990, Muppets at Walt Disney World airs on NBC as an episode of the magical world of Disney. Uh, while visiting Kermit's family in the Florida swamp, the Muppets discover they are right next door to Disney World and uh, they sneak in, as, you know, Muppets would want to do. Uh, the cast includes uh, Charles Groban, a young Raven Simone who sings the Rainbow Connection, and of course, Corporate Synergy CEO Michael Eisner makes an appearance. And uh, on a, a little bit of a downer note, uh, it turns out to be the last Muppet special that creator Jim Henson will work on as uh, he suddenly will pass away 10 days later. I'm, uh, hashtag save the Muppets. And then finally, at least for uh, this week's edition of This Week in Disney History, uh, on May 6, 2009, Stitch's Supersonic Celebration, a uh, live stage show in the Tomorrowland section of the Magic Kingdom, officially debuts. Dot, dot, dot. It will run only for six weeks. So apparently this was not a very well-received show. Um, uh, I had never even heard of it before doing research for this week's uh, episode. So uh, that's all this week in uh, Disney history. And now it's time to talk about uh, news coming out of Walt Disney World. And um, yeah, it is that time where we talk about as the uh, Reedy Creek... Uh, turns but uh boy has it escalated since we talked last week because um uh, mm. <laughs> minutes after uh noted disney villain florida governor ron DeSantis and his uh central florida tourism oversight district moved to nullify a contract with uh disney world the uh disney company filed a lawsuit 
against them, claiming, quote, a targeted campaign of government retaliation, end quote. The uh, lawsuit names not only DeSantis, but each of his hand-selected board members. The lawsuit claims that DeSantis and the board have threatened Disney's business operations as punishment for the company exercising its First Amendment rights to protected speech. The lawsuit claims Disney's constitutional rights have been infringed. The main point of contention is the board's decision to nullify a contract at last week's meeting, uh, particularly citing, I believe it was when uh, they, when the Florida Senate passed SB 1604, a land use bill that contains a narrowly written amendment to allow a key development agreement between Disney World and the district to be undone. Disney goes on to say that the retaliatory behavior from DeSantis and the board that does the governor's bidding is, quote, patently retaliatory, patently anti-business, and patently unconstitutional, end quote. With regards to what caused the unconstitutional action from DeSantis, Disney says, quote, there is no room for disagreement about what happened here. Disney expressed its opinion on state legislation and was then punished by the state for doing so, end quote. Disney says that they are, quote, forced to defend against a state, weaponizing its power to inflict political punishment, end quote. Disney outlines federal constitutional rights that it says were violated, the Contracts Clause, the Takings Clause, and the Due Process Clause. The lawsuit says that Disney regrets that it has come to this, but that it has exhausted its efforts to seek a resolution and must protect its rights and must protect its cast members, partners, and guests. So, this is moving to a full-blown lawsuit, which is kind of what I think a lot of us had been thinking this was the next, I hate to say the term logical, because there doesn't really seem to be logic in this whole story, but logical step. This seemed to be the next logical step in this story. So, what does Disney want this resolution to be? Some people are saying that Disney uh, is seeking to completely undo DeSantis' takeover of the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Uh, they point to, as part of the lawsuit that Disney filed against DeSantis, one point of relief that Disney seeks from the court is to declare DeSantis' takeover of the RCID unconstitutional. More specifically, the argument that House Bill 9B and Senate Bill 4C were enacted in retaliation for Disney's political speech, which would be a violation of the First Amendment. Disney is asking the court to declare the bills are unlawful and unenforceable because of First Amendment violation. Disney asked for the court to issue an order enjoining DeSantis and other named defendants from enforcing the two bills. Now, Beyond that, Disney is also asking the court to declare the legislative declaration made by the Board of Supervisors last week to void the development agreement as unlawful and unenforceable because, again, it violates the Contracts Clause. Disney also outlines that the legislation declared violates the Takings Clause, Due Process Clause, and the First Amendment, and Disney is asking the court to declare the contract remains in effect and enforceable. Now. Might be asking, what does Ron DeSantis and his office have to say about being officially served by Mickey Mouse? Uh, according to Scott Gustin, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, Communications Director uh, Taryn Feske put out a statement um, uh, where he says, quote, we are unaware of any legal right 
that a company has to operate its own government or maintain special privileges not held by other businesses in the state. This lawsuit is yet another unfortunate example of their, their being Disney, hope to undermine the will of Florida voters and operate outside the bounds of the law, end quote. And then uh, DeSantis himself, uh, this is according to uh, a report from Reuters, uh, who is on an international trip abroad as all governors are. Shouldn't you be in your state? I don't know, governing uh, there, Ronnie. Anyway, according to a report from Reuters, DeSantis, when asked about it, told reporters, quote, I don't think this suit has merit. I think it's political, end quote. And if anybody would know anything about being meritless and uh, it being political, it would be old pudding there. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, that is the latest in, uh, Ron DeSantis versus uh, Mickey Mouse, and it is now moving to a court of law. Um, yeah, keep it locked here because unfortunately, this story, as much as some of us would uh, like it to go away, it is not going away. And the fact that it is now a full-blown lawsuit, it is uh, only becoming, it is only going to become more relevant, prevalent in the next few weeks months unfortunately um honestly i don't I, I think this is going to be an open shut case rather it should be an open shut case for disney because this has clearly been retaliation from desantis and his staff ever after disney said hey we we don't necessarily agree with this whole don't say gay legislation and ever since then desantis has had it out for the walt disney world corporation particularly the arm of it that operates in Florida. But as I've said before, with the Republicans having a supermajority in the state of Florida, I don't know how this will play out at a state level. And with the current construction of the Supreme Court, I don't know how this is going to play out on a national level if it makes it to the Supreme Court. But I just... It's going to get interesting, and I'll, and I'll just leave it at that. But hey, let's talk about some actual fun stuff, some park news that doesn't drive me to drink <laughs> as much. Um, uh, we're heading over to Hollywood Studios, which, by the way, once again, happy birthday anniversary to uh, Hollywood Studios. Uh, we're talking about some uh, Pixar character meet and greets. Now, if you had been in the parks uh, over the last, I guess, a little bit, week, week and a half, uh you may or may not have known that uh, there was a Monsters, Inc. meet and greet in the uh, area where you could go see the Walt Disney One Man's Dream short film in the Walt Disney Presents area. Uh, there was a Sully meet and greet tucked away in that area. I'll be honest, I'd gone and seen Walt Disney's One Man Dream film and seen the props and stuff and uh, some of the, I guess, art artist renditions they used for what turned into attractions later in the Magic Kingdom. I, I went in the Walt Disney Presents area and I completely overlooked the uh, Sully meet and greet area. But uh, if you were aware that it was there, you may have noticed that uh, it shut down shop over the last little bit and uh, it has now quietly been closed. But if you are a fan of Monsters, Inc., if you are a fan of Sully and want to go get your picture taken with him, uh, don't fret because Disney has confirmed that on May 14th, uh, 
They're calling it the Edna Mode Experience. It's going to return to Disney's Hollywood Studios uh, as part of a reimagined Pixar place, and that's where you're going to be able to encounter Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, Frozone, and the previously aforementioned Sully from uh, Monsters, Inc. That's where you can uh, get those meet and greets as well. And uh, I guess since the, the Edna Mode Experience, uh, you can do the meet and greet with the uh, terrifying Edna Mode character that uh, they like to... Uh, bring out seriously that thing is nightmare fuel but you might be asking what are they going to be doing with the area where the old sully meet and greet was where you could go uh to the walt disney presents you know go check out walt's uh, one man's dream um well you may have seen last week that they they being disney pronouns pal uh made the announcement that there is going to be a meet and greet featuring the live action version of ariel from the upcoming movie Little Mermaid, you know, the live action version. And uh, Disney put out a uh, put out an announcement regarding when a- when Ariel's adventure on land takes her to Walt Disney World Resort, guests will be able to meet her by visiting Walt Disney Presents at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Ariel invites guests to be <clears throat> part of her world for a limited time. See a special sneak peek and props from the film available at Walt Disney Presents Theater. Come be immersed in the live action Little Mermaid story at Walt Disney World. Now, uh, I would assume this is going to be starting on May 14th or, well, no, maybe they're going to hold it off until the, until the film drops later in the month, which is May 26th. So, uh, you know, last Friday in the month of May, maybe that's when this meet and greet with the live action version of Ariel will debut. Now, we don't know when this meet and greet is going to be running through. They've said it's going to be a limited time thing, and we just know it's going to be running through this summer. But we know where it's going to be, at least, in Hollywood Studios. So uh, if you and your party do want to uh, go meet Ariel and be a part of her world, uh, you know where you can do that now. And I know one person I'm going to be taking a trip with is uh, very excited at that uh, development. So uh, there is that. Uh, Made reference to it a little bit earlier when we were talking some uh, this week in Disney history. Uh, This week we do have May 4th, or uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. And uh, for the, I guess, holiday, Disney, particularly in Hollywood Studios, is debuting some exclusive Star Wars-themed food items you and your party can pick up. Now, they're doing this around all different Disney parks around the world. Um, uh, I do want to point out that uh, Disneyland's version of uh, Batu, they're getting a Grogu slash Baby Yoda sipper. And uh, it is cute. And it is adorable. And Disney's Hollywood Studios is not getting that. So uh, go ahead and uh, be a little bit disappointed in that. But Disney's Hollywood Studios version of uh, Batu is getting its own exclusive Star Wars themed sipper. We'll get to that in a second. But here are some of the Star Wars themed snacks you and your party can get starting May 4th, running through the 31st of this month. Uh, mobile ordering is available for these snacks. So we're going to start at the ABC Commissary, Backlot Express, Pizza Rizzo, and Rosie's All Star Cafe. Uh, we got the Jettison Juice. This is Minute Maid Lemonade and Watermelon served with a glow cube. That is a non alcoholic beverage 
for those that don't want to uh, enjoy on some adult libations. Uh, Backlot Express is offering the Darth Vader Cupcake. It is a, a chocolate cupcake with chocolate peanut butter buttercream dipped in a dark chocolate ganache, edged with chocolate flakes, and topped with a chocolate Darth Vader. It's a lot of chocolate going on. And then, of course, we have the uh, classic Wookiee cookie. That's going to be two oatmeal cookies with vanilla cream filling garnished with a milk chocolate sash on top. Now we're heading into Galaxy's Edge itself. Uh, Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, you got the Oi Oi Puff. That's going to be a raspberry cream puff with passion fruit mousse. Uh, that's available only May 4th and 5th. So um, that is not going to be available through the end of the month. That is an exclusive item for the May 4th, I guess, window. So so you and your party, if you want to get the oi oi puff, you need to be there Thursday and Friday. And then uh, this is the uh, sipper that is going to be offered for us. I say us, uh, East Coasters in uh, D- Disney's Hollywood Studios version of Galaxy Edge. It's the light up acid spitter orb sipper. And it comes with a lanyard including a choice of fountain beverage at the time of purchase. Um, Limit five per person per transaction. No discounts are available or can be applied when you buy this. Uh, Available while supplies last beginning May 4th. Now, I did say the Baby Yoda sipper is cute, is cool looking. This might be a Star Wars hot take. I kind of dig the way the acid spitter orb sipper looks. It uh, looks pretty badass and plus, you know, it lights up. That's uh, that's pretty cool as well. Heading back to Pizza Rizzo and the Trolley Car Cafe. These uh, treats, the uh, Dark Side Chocolate Creation is available May 4th and 5th. Uh, and you can mobile order this at Pizza Rizzo. Uh, the, dark, the Dark Side Chocolate Creation. It's a malted milk chocolate mousse dome with raspberry mousse filling, slivered almonds, and chocolate shortbread cookies. And then at the churro carts at the market, available May 4th and 5th, and the Grand Avenue in Anaheim uh, produce, available May 5th through the 31st, lightsaber churros served with chocolate sauce, and you can get your choice of red or blue churros, and they come with a uh, paper lightsaber hilt looking thing as well. Pretty, pretty cool. And then uh, Ronto Roasters is also going to be selling the uh, light up acid spitter orb sippers uh, available while supplies last beginning May 4th. Uh, I'm not a sipper guy, but if I was in Batu in Galaxy's Edge during the month of May and I had the opportunity to get the acid spitter orb sipper, easy for me to say, uh, I think I would get one. They, they do look pretty cool. And then... Uh, If you're not going to be in Disney's Hollywood Studios, but you still want to participate and uh, have some Star Wars snacks, uh, different spots around the resorts are going to be offering some snacks as well. Available May 4th only. If you head over to the Polynesian, uh, you can get the Millennium Falcon Star Wars Soft Serve Sunday. That is a uh, galactic gray vanilla soft serve with mint flavor, chocolate cream cookie crumbles, uh, chocolate drizzle, white chocolate pearl stars, brownie asteroid pieces with stardust sprinkles, and uh, Millennium Falcon white chocolate pieces. 
Whew, that sounds like a lot, but boy, would I like to try it. If you want to head over to uh, Disney Springs and the Ganachery, you got the uh, Queen Amidala Chocolate Pinata. That is a uh, dark chocolate pinata filled with ruby chocolate and raspberry bark available May 1st through the 31st. You got the Ahsoka Pop. That is a plant-based coconut and blueberry swirl pop enrobed in dark chocolate. Again, available May 1st through the 31st. And then the Millennium Falcon Pop. That is milk chocolate pop with crisp pearls. And then finally, Swirls on the Water. Uh, this Loyal Astro Mech Swirl is going to be available May 4th through the 31st. And the Loyal Astro Mech Swirl is a Dole Whip Mango Swirl with habanero soft serve in a red velvet cone with a toasted uh, graham cracker crumbs, chocolate rocks, and a BB-8 edible garnish. So uh, if you want to celebrate May the 4th and uh, eat some Star Wars-related snacks, you have quite the options. Most of them going to be in Disney Hollywood Studios, uh, but if you aren't going to be in the parks on May the 4th, May the 5th, uh, but you are going to be on property, you have some other options. You can head over to the Polynesian or you can head down to Disney Springs and get those treats. Going to head over to Epcot real quick. Uh, this was an interesting development that I saw last week. Um, Disney has set up what they're calling a photo pass studio in the Norway Pavilion, particularly in the Wandering Reindeer. Now, when they said photo pass studio, I was like, what is, what is, what is that? Then I went and looked. Um, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a studio where you and your party can go get your picture taken in it. And it's, uh, I'll be honest right now. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of bland. It's, uh, in the wandering reindeer, uh, I think it used to be a gift shop, the wandering reindeer. Anyway, um, uh, right now, just a big open area. It, it looks very Frozen-esque. Um, uh, that's appropriate because they have a backdrop uh, that is from Frozen. Uh, but there's no props or anything like that. You and your party can go stand in front of a backdrop with the frozen waterfall and snowy trees. and Yeah, that's it right now. Um, I'm, I'm sure... Well, I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm assuming there'll, there'll be... More options that you can choose from. Um, uh, maybe there'll be like fun props or something, like a like a Olaf or something you can hold or I don't know. Um, but uh, this is something that if you or somebody in your party does have the photo pass option, you can scan it and it'll show up on your uh, photo passes later. But uh, a photo pass studio, um, kind of kind of an odd addition. I mean, I understand you have to do something with. Uh, open real estate yeah i'm looking it up uh the wandering reindeer did used to be a gift shop uh but okay sure um uh the choice they made <laughs> so if you and your uh party uh or you are big fans of uh getting pictures you can now head over to the norway pavilion find the uh wandering reindeer and uh there's a disney photo pass studio set up so uh there you go Keen-eye guests on the Haunted Mansion here recently have noticed an addition in the graveyard scene, and it is a new lighting effect that has been added. The effect has been in place, uh, according to reports, for at least a few weeks, but it is 
but I saw it recently on social media and then got some confirmation and some other posts talking about it. And uh, the new effect, it adds an eerie new lighting effect that creates a red glow from within a hearst in the graveyard as ghosts gather around it. Um, uh, it kind of pulses a little bit to create like a flickering candle effect. Um, I have seen some reports it can be kind of jarring a little bit. If, uh, you know, your eyes haven't completely adjusted to being in the dark on the Haunted Mansion and stuff like that. So just FYI, and it might stand out a little bit because it does seem a little bit bright uh, compared to some of the other effects in the Haunted Mansion, particularly in the graveyard scene. So, uh, but it is cool to see that Disney is doing stuff with the Haunted Mansion, giving it some upkeep. And we do know later this year, we still don't have confirmation of the date, probably around Halloween, when it's all spooky. Um, uh, the vaunted Hatbox Ghost will be added to the Magic Kingdom edition of the Haunted Mansion. And uh, speaking of, you know, spooky stuff, um, uh, if you are a fan of uh, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party and you're thinking about heading down for the 2023 version of the party, um, uh, make note that tomorrow, May 2nd, is when tickets go on sale for all guests that will be down for uh, for those dates that I went over last week. Now, special event tickets, if you're staying at select Walt Disney World Resorts, the Swan and Dolphin, and Shades of Green, those are available now. But if uh, you're not one of those that are staying at select resorts, Swan and Dolphin, or Shades of Green, um, um, set a reminder, tomorrow, May 2nd, that is when you can get your tickets for the 2023 version of Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, and uh, you can go to disneyworld.disney.go.com slash ticket slash events to get your tickets there. Or, you know, just Google <laughs> Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party tickets, and I'm pretty sure you'll be able to uh, get it there as well. And then finally, a, a little bit of an update to a uh, story last week about how uh, Unfortunately, the uh, dragon in uh, Disneyland's version of uh, Fantasmic caught fire and uh, ooh, pretty much uh, burned down, uh, and they've since delayed Fantasmic uh, in Disneyland. In Disneyland, not in Hollywood Studios. Uh, as of this recording, Hollywood Studios' version of Fantasmic is still running, but the fire of the dragon on the left coast is still impacting the dragon in Walt Disney World because uh, if you're familiar with the Festival of Fantasy Parade, at one point, a Maleficent dragon is paraded through and breathes fire. But in response to the Fantasmic Fire at Disneyland, where, as I said before, I believe it's called Murphy, um, the dragon was engulfed in flames, Disney World has suspended a similar fire-breathing effect in the Festival of Fantasy Parade at Magic Kingdom. Disney did not return a request for comment for Blog Mickey, but Scott Gustin did report that the fire-breathing effect will be the only suspension at Walt Disney World. Disney World's version of Fantasmic utilizes a different pyrotechnic effect and will not be officially suspended, although reports are saying it hasn't been working perfectly in recent weeks. Um, uh, the fire-breathing effect, which has malfunctioned before, you might remember uh, the parade version of the dragon caught fire kind of spectacularly a few years ago, uh, before the pandemic and everything like that, uh, will be deactivated on a temporary basis as Disney investigates the cause of the Disneyland fire. It's kind of a bummer because that is one of my favorite parts of a pretty awesome parade in Festival of Fantasy, but at the same time, safety first. And I understand 
why they're doing it. You have to make sure that what happened in Disneyland and what previously happened before in the Festival of Fantasy Parade version of this dragon can't happen again. And particularly in the Festival of Fantasy Parade instance, guests are a whole lot closer to the dragon than they were at the Fantasmic version of the dragon. But I understand why they're doing it. Still kind of bummed. But thankfully, Disney is safety first. Safety first. And thankfully, nobody got hurt in the Disneyland version of the fire. Thankfully, years ago, nobody got hurt in the Magic Kingdom Festival of Fantasy parade fire. And fingers crossed, this doesn't happen again. But fingers crossed, if it does happen, nobody will be hurt, period. But got to keep your guests safe got to keep your cast members safe as well and uh, good on disney for doing this and uh, hopefully sooner rather than later the fire breathing effect in the festival of the fantasy parade will return because like i said that's a really cool effect and it's one of my uh, favorite parts of the parade but uh that is gonna be it for me this week that is all the disney news that i have to report um uh thank y'all for listening uh greatly appreciate you coming along for the ride again um uh be sure to follow me on Twitter, L-A-N-D-O-Z. Please go follow me, Landon Doan. I'm the best, Landon Doan, not the rest. That's where you can follow me, 280 characters at a time on Twitter. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com. Buttmunchchips, uh, sit on your button munch. That's where you can find stuff I did in my college radio days, uh, interviews with the cast of Aquatine Hunger Force, Venture Brothers, Futurama, fun stuff like that. Uh, I also appear on the Phil Show, News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app and the News Talk 987 app as well. Um, uh, but yeah. Oh boy. Um, uh, that's been a podcast, and quite frankly, I'm uh, a little hesitant to see what's going to happen next with this whole uh, Disney versus uh, Ron DeSantis uh, kerfuffle. But. Uh, By God, because y'all are the best, I'll be sure and bring it to you, and uh, we'll uh, chat about it next week, week after. Who am I kidding? It's going to be next week. Um, uh, But uh, until next week, thank a cast member. Thank a team member, Disney and Universal. Pay your cast members and team members a living wage and treat them like the rock stars that they are. We love coming down to your parks. Heck, some of us even tolerate spending all of our money down there. But without them, none of what you have happening happens you know what i'm saying so treat them like the rock stars that they are and again pay them a living wage be decent to each other costs you nothing to be nice so be nice and you don't know what everybody else has going on in their lives and you don't know how far a kind word or a kind gesture will go uh and take care of yourself not just talking physically i'm talking mentally as well your mental health just as important as your physical health too and in this day and age be just as important sometimes even more so And uh, breathe, have a little bit of fun, and if you can do both of those things, that would mean the world to me. My name is Landon Doan. Thank y'all so much again for coming along on this little weird ride we call Does Does Disney. Because y'all, you have been great, and we have been Does Does Disney. Stay tuned for the secret sound, you Jedi scum. Excuse me, gotta take a sip of the beer.
you know, there's there's a lot of stuff I can do well. Heck, there's even a couple things I can do very well. But when it comes to graphic design, that is one thing I cannot do at all. Thankfully, I have a friend in Matt and love of the mouse multimedia. You know and love their work. The sleek and soon-to-be-beloved logo for this very podcast, Does Does Disney, that was them. The classic Morning Monorail logo and all its variants, that was Love of the Mouse too. And not only does Love of the Mouse have an incredible talent for graphic design, they're easy to work with and collaborate. They listen to your ideas and suggestions, then they bring them to life. So if you're looking to start your own blog, podcast, YouTube channel, Etsy shop, whatever creative outlet that you're thinking of, Love of the Mouse can help your brand to stand out in the crowd. Connect with Matt on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by searching Love of the Mouse Multimedia or at L-O-T-M Multimedia or visit loveofthemousepodcast.com or email loveofthemousepodcast at gmail.com to contact him about your design needs. We're talking logos, social media promos, advertisements, websites, and so much more. And if you're uh, looking for some more awesome Disney content, make sure and subscribe to his show, Love of the Mouse Podcast, on your favorite streaming applications. And tell him the Dawes sent you. I, I, I don't know if that'll get you anything. I just always wanted to say that. Thank you.